Hi, and welcome to Return to Soil. I'm here today with Patricia Sai, the owner of Choco Vivo in Culver City, California. Choco Vivo is special because they are a bean-to-bar shop. What this means is Patricia is in a very elite group of chocolate makers who is responsible for the chocolate making process from the cow pod to the bar. I apologize for the slight hum as we are on site and there are a couple refrigerators in the background. Welcome, Patricia. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. First off, can you tell the difference between a chocolatier and a bean-to-bar shop? Sure. So what many people are familiar with are probably um, chocolate shops, and inside the chocolate shops are chocolatiers. What's the differences between a chocolatier in a chocolate shop versus a chocolate maker in a bean-to-bar shop is how they're starting in the process of making chocolate. So a chocolatier will take bars of chocolate and just melt it down. So their beginning process is a bar of chocolate. Whereas in a bean to bar shop for a chocolate maker, they're starting not with the bars of chocolate, but you have to think about where is the bar coming from? We're actually starting from the very source of cacao, which are cacao beans or cacao nibs. And so um, we start with those with the raw source of chocolate, which are cacao nibs, and we grind it down to make it into the bars of chocolate that then we would sell to a chocolatier. So if I was like shopping around and I saw some chocolate on sale, what's the first question that I should ask to see if they're a chocolatier versus a chocolate maker? It's really hard to tell, but if they say that they are bean to bar, then you know right off the bat that they're starting from the source of cacao nibs, making it into a chocolate bar. I don't see a lot of chocolate bars out there on the market that say that they're bean to bar. But as you said earlier, it is kind of, I guess, an elite group or a very niche group where um, people are becoming more sophisticated in their palate and understanding what bean to bar means. And so um, if they are a bean-to-bar maker, it's definitely wise of them to put it on their own packaging that they are bean-to-bar. If I had a, let's say, a bar of Hershey's and then one of your bars, what's kind of the first taste differences I would expect? Definitely number one is the um, the texture of the chocolate. So our chocolate is going to have more of, I would say, like a grittier texture um, whereas a Hershey's chocolate bar is going to have a silky smooth texture. What's the cause of the silky smooth texture in those bars? If you think of anything in general in just your food, to get something to a silky smooth texture, you're going to have to add different ingredients and your processing is going to become, um, you're going to have to have more steps in getting it into a silky smooth texture. Probably the two main causes, let's just take for Hershey's because you're giving that example, is a Hershey's bar definitely has a lot more added fat inside. I'm saying, I'm, at, I'm stressing the word added because chocolate naturally has fat in there. So for a Hershey's bar, they're definitely adding more fat in there and they're processing it down longer. And so then we get into terminology called conching the chocolate where you're heating and um, agitating that chocolate or grinding that chocolate down to get that silky smooth texture. From what I've read, your chocolate comes from Tabasco, Mexico? Right. How did you find this farm? 
You know, it's a long story, and I don't want to bore you with the details if we had a longer segment, but I went on several trips down to Mexico, and as I was building my business, I realized I really needed to understand where the source of the cacao is coming from. So there's different, definitely different options where you can go through a distributor and they can be your middleman. But for me, I really wanted that intimacy of having a relationship with my source. And in building the business, you kind of try to funnel down what is really important to you and what is driving you to create this business. So for me, it was always people and the food. And so I can go through the easy route of going through a distributor or I could really understand and have that intimacy with a grower. And so through many doors that were shut upon me and through a source that I had taken some chocolate making classes and accidentally I was introduced to this grower in Mexico. And so that's kind of how I found him was in a roundabout way. I wasn't really supposed to meet him, but doors opened where I did meet him and then I followed that lead and he opened his door to me, and that's when it just kind of all happened. So once you have the cacao pod, what's the, the next in the process? Remember that all the cacao pods are harvested fresh, and so they all have to be done at the plantation. So once they take that machete and they chop off that cacao pod, they have to break it open. They take that same machete, they break it open. You'll see there's about 40 to 60 white beans inside. I say white beans because on the outside, of the beans is something called mucilage or cacao pulp. And so you have to have that pulp because that starts the fermentation process. So you chop open the pod, you take, you grab all those beans in there, and then you throw them into fermentation boxes. After they ferment, then they dry by sun. How long is the fermentation period? So fermentation varies. Um, If you look at the history of chocolate, The Mayans probably didn't understand about fermentation, so those are considered unfermented beans. Commercial beans are fermented for about five to seven days. Our beans are fermented for about two to three days. Oh, interesting. So once they are fermented and dried, then what's the next step? So after they're dried, then they're all collected, and then that's when um, chocolate makers can start the process of deshelling the beans and then... um, after they deshell the beans, then you get cocoa nibs. And so you've seen the nibs at the grocery store, like at Whole Foods. And so you can buy the nibs and just eat them. Um, sorry, I kind of forgot one more step. So after they collect all of the dried beans and the chocolate maker comes in, they can start roasting the beans to take off those shells. So you lightly roast it, take off the shells, and you get the nibs. Right. Um, so after you have the nibs, so then the nibs you would have in your facility here, right? That's, that's right. It. So we get um, our nibs from our grower. We don't have a machine called a winnower to um, deshell those beans. But um, I think of Vicente as my mini lab. And so there's so much that we can do there. And so we have a, we have a close partnership where um, we play off of each other. Hmm. So how long does it take to stone grind the chocolate? Right. So so I would say one flavor, because we have 13 different flavors um, in-house, one flavor takes about two hours from grinding to spreading to then putting it into the freezer to solidify. 
and then um, taking it out and packaging it. Okay. Why don't we give a, a overview? So what is white chocolate? White chocolate is basically the fat from cacao sweetened with a lot of sugar. So if you think of like Crisco shortening, and if you tried Crisco shortening just a little bit, there's no taste in there whatsoever. You just add a bunch of sugar in there and then you get white chocolate. Right, so does it mean white chocolate can last forever also since Crisco is pretty indefinite? <laughs> you can probably, I would say because they don't, those people that are not eating white chocolate, which you shouldn't be eating white chocolate, you probably would not know if that fat starts to go rancid because there is so much sugar in there. On common ingredient lists on chocolate bars, you often see uh, cocoa butter and soy lecatin. How does that affect the taste of the bar and what is its purpose? So additional cocoa butter is definitely added for more of a mouthfeel. And it gives you, um, if you've ever had that waxy taste on the tip of your tongue, that is due to the fact that additional cocoa butter is added. And then they're adding soy lecithin because they don't want that fat to separate from um, the cacao mass. So if you know, you know that fat and water do not mix. So in order for it to mix properly inside a chocolate bar, because we're adding additional fat, um, or because the manufacturer is adding additional fat, they're going to add soy lecithin to prevent the separation. I see. So what that might mean is some of these bars are very silky and smooth, and bean-to-bar chocolate could be probably more gritty in terms of Yeah, I wouldn't say bean I wouldn't say all bean to bar chocolate makers are gonna have a grittier taste, but it's definitely not those bean to bar makers who um, are using more of a European process to get a smooth texture and they're not adding additional cocoa butter or soy lecithin, it's definitely not gonna have as it's definitely not gonna have a creamy mouthfeel, but it's still very creamy at the same time. Mm, I see. So what are your personal favorite bars in your shop? Uh, you mean flavors? Flavors, yeah. yeah. So I would say the Nibby bar is at 69% cacao. Um, I really like, I mean, I, it's embarrassing to say this, but I used to love peanut M&Ms. <laughs> so, you know, everybody has their vices and um, they don't understand chocolate, but through my um, growing up process, I loved the crunch of the peanuts in there, biting into it, and the Nimby bar totally reminds me of it, and <clears throat> it's much healthier. Right. So you said 69%. What does that mean in terms of the ratio? Because uh, on your bars are like 65, 75, 85 Right. So in the 13 different flavors that we do, we have a 100% cacao bar. So 100% cacao means it is just pure cacao nibs that have been ground down into bars. And so people need, most people need sugar in their chocolate. So as you start decreasing in the cacao percentage, the other ingredients are typically sugar. Now we do have some bars that we say is, we call it our potent chocolate line or AKA paleo bars. Um, so some bars are at 90% cacao, but that 10% difference in this case for our potent chocolate line is not the sugar. It is actually uh, like coffee beans. So we have a paleo bar that is, um, we call it just the coffee paleo bar. And 90% of it is cacao. 10% of it is coffee. And it, 
doesn't taste very sweet, but different ingredients is, um, as you know, imparts a different kind of flavor and doesn't have quite as um, much bitterness as cacao. So when we add that coffee into our paleo bar, it actually has a really nice taste. All right. It seems like the difference between your bar and other bean bars, you seem to have a lot of different flavors Mm -hmm. compared to others which have one bar ratio, like 75% and just many different sourcing varieties. But it seems like yours is a little more interesting. Is there a reason why that you've chosen to go to the right of many flavors and many options for the consumer? Mm -hmm. I think what's important to me, it's fun to have to taste chocolate from different regions. Um, But for me, and for Choco Vivo, what's important is the relationship with our grower and the relationship with the source of where we're getting our cacao. Because we don't go through a distributor, um, we're limited to um, getting our beans from Vicente. But what is unique about Vicente is he truly cares about the quality of the beans. You know when they're being harvested because when we have to place an order, I call Vicente up and I say, I'm ready to place my order. So it takes him about three weeks to start harvesting the beans. And you know that our cacao is not sitting in a warehouse just waiting to be purchased. Also what Vicente is doing, there's different um, processes of making, of um, fermenting the chocolate. So what we're gonna start focusing on besides the different flavors, which is fun, um, is really educating the public about how fermentation affects the cacao. So I had mentioned that our cacao beans are fermented two to three days. We're going to try um, chocolates where they're fermented for about four to five days and then five to seven days. And at that point, you'll really understand um, how the different steps of processing the cacao beans changes the flavor. It's not just the terroir and the soil and where you're getting the cacao, but now you can start getting into fine details of the processing of chocolate. So let's say um, a customer orders a bar from your website and they receive it. What's the first thing should they do? Should they take a piece and let it melt on their tongue? Should they chew through it? What do you kind of recommend for that first taste and to understand all the flavors? Sure. So I recommend when people open that bar of chocolate is to break off a little piece. You'll notice that we do not use molds. Everything is molded by hand. And so um, it all goes by weight. You'll have two to three pieces inside. So think of it like a pack of baseball cards. You don't know which one you're gonna get. Every every bar is gonna be very different. And so um, you're gonna take off a little piece um, and then put it in your mouth, rub it between the roof of your tongue or sorry, the roof of your mouth and the top of your tongue, and you will notice that texture. It's like eating stone whole wheat bread versus refined white bread. And if you get um, the 100% or any of the pure bars, like the 85 or 75, what you're really going to notice is those tannins and acids because these beans are only fermented two to three days. And so those, um, all those flavor components are really going to come through. For those who are trying your bar for the first time, what are kind of the entry bars you would recommend? Uh, I would definitely recommend a pure bar at 75% cacao, and you can always go up to an 85 or 100. We have customers that come in and say, well, I'm, I always eat 85%. And I tell them, well, our bars are going to be darker, taste darker than your typical bar because it 
there's no additional cocoa butter that we had talked about earlier in the segment. And then um, I would get the almonds and sea salt because that's our best seller. And then the Mayan tradition, which is cinnamony and spicy. And we call it Mayan tradition because the Mayans used to add chilies in their chocolate. And it's actually the most popular flavor mm. to melt down into a drinking chocolate that we have here at the shop. Oh, nice. Earlier you were talking about the harvesting. How often do they harvest the, the cacao pods? So there's two main harvest periods, but cacao beans are being harvested all year round, but there's always two main harvests. And due to changes in the weather, um, that harvest season has been getting later and later. Mm. So when I first ordered beans from Vicente, harvest season used to be about um, October. Last year, um, they were harvesting around November, December. And then the other harvest period would be about July, June, July. Any plans to fly anywhere else in the world in that chocolate band? Um, you know, what I would be more interested in doing um, is going to Modica in Italy. Hmm. And so if you look at the history of chocolate, the Spaniards were the ones that invaded the um, Aztec Empire and they brought cacao to uh, the New World or to Europe. So there is only, and it's funny because the Europeans are the ones that started processing chocolate to make it into a finished bar, but they all started off with this type of chocolate that we're making, which is that grittier texture, and they all stone ground it in that beginning process, but obviously through the evolution, um, things have gotten have been refined. But there is this one little city called Modica, which is off the coast of Italy in Sicily, mm-hmm. and they still stone grind chocolate. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I would like to go there and you know, just internship for a few weeks there and really understand what happened when um, the Spaniards took that chocolate over and why is it that this one little city still stone grinds and keeps that tradition alive, whereas the rest of Europe and the rest of the world have taken on the European conched-style chocolate. Hmm. They don't have a website. I'm guessing they don't. Um, There is, like, one... There's several of them um, in Modica that stone grind, and there is a website, but it doesn't really talk about the history of chocolate. Um, They just kind of say that they stone grind the chocolate, and that's pretty much it. Right. So if people had further questions, do you have like a Facebook page they can message or a contact through an email? Yeah, so if you guys have any questions, you can always email us at info at chocovivo.com. We do have a Facebook page, which is chocovivo, comma, Los Angeles. Or you can also Instagram, which is um, at chocovivo underscore LA. Cool. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Return to Soil. If you would like to see some pictures of the cacao farm, feel free to check out some bonus content at returntosoil.com. That's www.returntosoil.com. Also, be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes as every review helps. Next episode, I'll be on a farm, so stay tuned.